the nachos. No rain, nor wind, nor snow classico. Putting the high line with Rabbi and Red. Talking the rabbits and turning heads. With questions from you and analysis. In your car, in your home. Thank you for tuning to Holding the High Line. Hello. Rapids fans, this is Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. We are brought to you by Icarus FC and Roughneck Scarves. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is Tuesday, June 21st, 2022. MLS sold its streaming rights to some kind of fruit company, so the Rapids don't have to worry about money no more. That's good. One less thing. The World Cup uh, (laughs) will not be coming to the Mile High City, and Colorado's other favorite Scotsman is back in Berkeley. Burgundy. Joining me now to talk about all the small things, Rabbi Mark Goodman. I love that song. I always like Blink-182. How's it going, Matt? Uh, I'm good. It's a little, life's a little mess. Uh, happy belated Juneteenth, Rabbi. Um, it was kind of nice getting that day off this year for many reasons, so that was kind of nice. Um, been kind of hectic at work right now, but uh, I am, Rabbi, I'm looking forward to, for the first time in the history of this podcast, I'll actually be doing an away day. We have a listener who's uh, become a very good personal friend of mine, David, who I will be joining in Portland for this Saturday, and it'll be my, I believe, my first time in Oregon, definitely my first time in Portland, and obviously my first time uh, at Providence Park to see uh, the Portland Timbers. That'll be awesome. Uh, I've been to Portland, but not to Providence, and it's a beautiful city, and I think you're going to have a great time. So that's awesome. I uh, spent the the day I had a – so a thing rabbis do is they learn, and um, I got the play- privilege today of learning for the first time with the other soccer rabbi, who is uh, Rabbi Marcus Rubenstein, who is the rabbi in um, Minnesota, and so that was a lot of fun. So hopefully I'll be doing an away game to Minnesota at some point uh, in the next year or two. Uh, hopefully as a scholar in residence when my book finally comes out. But yeah, let's let's get to it, Matt. Uh, let's talk about uh, this exciting new TV deal that uh, Apple and Major League Soccer have landed. Do you have the details of it for us, buddy? Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's start in. Let's go. Like, slow your roll, buddy. I got things to talk about first. Yes. Yeah, so uh, first of all, listeners, I kind of want to point out, you know, I obviously was very focused on watching the two Stanley Cup final games that we had midweek last week. Mark had some stuff going on. I had some stuff going on. So it was basically podcast Monday or podcast Friday. And one of the plights of being a podcaster where you normally do a weekly show is that sometimes you time things perfectly in terms of when news happens. Sometimes you time it horribly in terms of you end up recording something that 12 hours later uh, turns out to be obsolete or old news. And sometimes you record just in time to get kind of the fresh take on the previous game. Then a bunch of news happens throughout that week that is now relatively old news at the time that we're talking. So we're going to be talking about that. Rabbi, I will throw to you first. Denver was unsuccessful in getting uh, World Cup games here to the Mile High City, played at Mile High Stadium. Listeners, I've already spoken. I've said my piece. I will include links to the DNVR Rapids podcast, which I was on with Mitch and Yaya last week, as well as my 2,000-word article for Last Word on Soccer.com. Mark, I'd say probably maybe in the last year easily, some of my best like insider reporting, scooping stuff as well, scoops and sources and everything. So feel free to go check both of those out. But Rabbi, we haven't heard from you in a well-thought-out, articulated, more than 280 characters about what is ultimately a failure, I think, for the Denver Bid Committee and a big disappointment to people in the state who care about the World Cup. It's hard to figure out, uh, without knowing the inside scoop, what really happened. I think we all have an intuition that the bid wasn't very good, that there wasn't enough whining and dining, um, that uh, some of the the ability to present Colorado as um, having a strong media interest in soccer, um, the Rapids specifically as a team. But I think on a larger level, um, there's like, so the really simple answer is this. Um, 
and this has been kind of floating around in in uh, amongst soccer punditry and soccer Twitter. Um, the '94 World Cup had the largest attendance of any of the last World Cups. It had the largest attendance of any World Cup in history, and that's pretty simple in that the United States is an ex- extremely affluent country. Um, people can afford to go to sporting events. People can afford to travel to sporting events far away. We're an extremely diverse culture, which means we have more, we have enough Colombians in America to fill multiple stadiums to support the Colombian national team. Same with, you know, Argentina, same with Brazil, same with Germany, same with, like, we've got expats galore because we're a big, big country. We also have big, big stadiums. And we also have extremely good um, travel infrastructure in most of these places. So there are a couple of cities where it was like a foregone conclusion that they were going to get it. L.A. has the best stadium um, and a huge population and an amazing airport. And that was like going to happen. New York, same story. Miami, same story, despite their lack of having long running success with Major League Soccer. So I think to me that that very strongly points out that large population base, really high level, really uh, um, effective transit, both airport and public transit, um, uh, a really diverse population and a first class, ideally recently built like Atlanta, say, stadium, are really the things that are going to blow you away, right? Everything that's below that level is a crapshoot. And that's why I think Denver didn't make it. Mile High is not that new. The stadium or the city has a, an airport that's really nicely accessible to other places, but it's not like that big a deal. Um, the population of Colorado of Denver is is large, but not overwhelming, right? I think we're somewhere between like depending on whether you're counting the city or the metropolitan area, we're somewhere between 17th and 23rd overall as a city. And so that kind of puts us into the yellow and red zone automatically, right? It means that we're just going to be six to five and pick them when it comes to going up against Kansas City. Um, You know, there are a couple of points that I objected to, right? I think giving Boston, Philly and New York all sites, considering they're roughly a two hour train ride apart from each other, is pretty dumb. Um, I think giving Texas two bids is pretty dumb, although the, the, the reason for that is you know, they both have nice big stadiums and they're both close to Mexico. So Mexican fans will, will turn out. Although I, I kind of question that theory. Um, you know, but, but I think overwhelmingly, like we couldn't put it over the top against Kansas city. That's a little bit disappointing. The last thing I'll say is this. I, I just don't really know whether the bid committee would have mattered that much. Right. Had we put them up at a nicer hotel and spent thousands of dollars on advertising um, and, you know, done a really good job with a marketing team selling how we'd pitch the thing. I don't know if that really matters. You know, maybe they just wanted to go to Kansas City, and that's just how it is. Yeah, no, all good stuff there, Mark. I kind of outline it's I, – I, I had a little bit of a wordplay during my last words of the article that I posted to Last Word on Soccer, kind of pointing out it was a lot of small things. There wasn't one thing that undid it. This wasn't exclusively the altitude being an issue. This wasn't exclusively Denver versus Kansas City, and one was going to get it and one wasn't going to get it. Um, lots of good insight and well-thought-out stuff there. Again, I'll put the link in the show notes for those who want to peruse that further. I'm disappointed, but the World Cup is still coming to the United States. It's still going to be it's it's not going to be easier if we're talking about multiple games within less than a two hour flight for a World Cup game in multiple cities here in terms of accessible from Denver. And that's still really, really exciting. I still think it's going to have a net positive for the club, for MLS, for soccer in this country. And Mark, I think increasingly I'm, I'm hopeful and I believe that there will be current or former Rapids players at that tournament. I think certainly Mark Anthony Kay, um, you know, will still be in the conversation with the Canadian men's national team. And I think we're easily going to have two to three former Colorado Rapids players uh, with the USMNT who are entrenched and well-established with their respected clubs in Europe. So if nothing else, we'll be looking forward to that. Very fun. And I, I guess one benefit that we have, Mark, for us individually as two people who like a few beverages, you might remember in the 
smallest market the smallest town they had in russia the they stacked out like the russian government sent all of the bars in the in this little town like more beer like they had beer stacked outside of where they normally have extra storage in the restaurants in order to account for this and then australia played a game there and then all of the beer ran out so if nothing else mark if you want to come visit me that summer i'll be 36 that summer and we want to drink a bunch of beer all of the australian soccer Kakaroo fans will not have come in and drank all of our beer. So I guess that's kind of a net positive. And maybe Kansas City, get ready, because I think we've got a greater beer capacity with the Coors facility out in Golden than you do. Mark, we've got some Rapids 2 news to discuss. I will start with the injury news that we have about Dylan Serna. Uh, who underwent surgery on his left tibia. He is expected to miss, let me see here, I think it was 8 to 12 weeks, uh, and then that basically puts him back the 8 weeks from the point where the surgery took place, folks, basically gives you one final, the last month of the MLS Next Pro regular season. Mark, this is the third major injury, I would argue, that he's had in his career. Obviously had the ACL injury in 2016. I believe that was in an Open Cup game at FC Dallas. Um, he had another leg injury last year that caused him to miss two-thirds of the season with Colorado Springs switchbacks, and now it's this. I guess it's beneficial that it's not been the exact same injury or even the same leg that's been involved with his existing injury history, but, you know, we have to point out now that this is decently given, you know, he already missed a, a number of games to start this season, at, at, you know, a number of games in this season as well. You're talking about three years, two of them back-to-back seasons in which he is going to miss the majority of the season. And I'm just starting to wonder now, you know, Dylan Serna, um, you know, who's age 28, if what we knew him when he was in ML, what we knew of him when he was in MLS, what we thought that he could be, if he's just now limited in terms of what he's going to be, or if there's just going to be extenuating injuries as well. I still think he can be a productive member of the club. The club thinks the world of him from a person and a professional standpoint. I think he can still be a productive member and mentor to players on Rapids too, but I think if there was any hope of him working his way back into the first team, team through coming to the, uh, the reserve squad, I think that's probably now done and I have some serious questions whether or not the player that we knew that was emerging in 2016 we're going to see in at, at any point going forward as a member of the Colorado Rapids. I'm sad. Um, I'm wishing him a, a good recovery, but I think unfortunately, Mark, uh, the Rapids are going to have to come up with other answers at the back in terms of a veteran presence who can be on the ball, be defensively minded, and kind of calm things down. Dylan Cerna is not going to be able to do that for the next 8 to 12 weeks. One player who might be doing that, however listeners is Costa Rican international Daniel Chacon, a center back who signed with Rapids 2. There was a little bit of rumblings come about this, and this might have been similar to a Harris situation, The Harris being the uh, Irish uh, striker who Rapids 2 signed, and there was kind of some rumblings whether or not he was going to be with the first team or the second team or what his potential was going to be. He's clearly now signed with Rapids 2, not signed with the first team, and then loaned to MLS Next Pro. Mark, he's been involved in the Costa Rican national team. I presume Rapids 2 two are very bad defensively. This is a player who might be better than the other center backs on Rapids too. He could get a decent amount of playing time. I'm assuming he's going here with the understanding or the belief that it's going to help him in terms of trying to get on the World Cup squad for Los Ticos come November. Mark, what do we make of this signing? And is this the answer to Rapids two Swiss cheese center backs situation? Probably not. I mean, it. you know, we'll see. Uh, this is a team that has struggled from front to back and side to side at every position. Um, you know, you, you said well that uh, maybe Dylan Cerno's veteran leadership could have really helped this team, but, you know, say la vie. Um, you know, I wish him well. It, it's it's interesting to see a player try and decide at this stage of his career what uh, a, another serious injury means. Um, if Dylan Cerna fights back from this, you know, more power to him. I think that'd be awesome. Um, but if he hung him up, that also wouldn't be a terrible thing, too, because he's really proved a lot as a as a pro soccer player. And, you know, sometimes the body just can't carry it off. So we'll see. But, um, you know, I think for me, like, remember, Rapids 2 is a development team. We're really interested in seeing the younger players get reps and play well. 
I think the devastating thing about this team is that the younger players have gotten reps and have not played well, or um, it's hard to tell whether the three or four players that are on Rapids 2 who are supposed to be getting minutes um, have demonstrated, based on the losses that the team has suffered, that they are transcending the difficulties the team has had and they're deserving of a spot or whether they're just another part of the problem, right? Like if we've got Yappi and, and uh, Toure and Edwards and Sebastian Anderson on that team week in, week out, and they lose week in, week out, I think it tells you a lot about where the quality of those players are. I think, you know, from all I've heard about uh, Abraham Rodriguez is that his – and and I think going back all the way to like you know his uh, time basically as the backup, who only got a few games with Colorado Springs, like he has not progressed at all in the in a positive direction. You don't cut bait on any of these guys, you know. You never know. Like advancement is never linear. Um, you know, we never know when these guys are going to suddenly bounce forward. But um, I, I don't think that any there are any solutions coming from Rapids 2 right now, um, neither for the first team nor anybody who can stabilize that club. Uh, Mark, really quick right now, I'll ask, uh, does Daniel Chacon make the Costa Rican roster for the World Cup, and do you anticipate him unseating one of the other center backs and becoming a starter by year's end? I'd be surprised. I mean, Costa Rica has a couple of domestic teams that uh, Herediano and a couple others, I think, who um, are really you know, have really strong reputations. Uh, Saprisa also, right, is Costa Rica. Um, those teams have always shown well in CCL. Um, and those players have made up the backbone of the Costa Rica, Costa Rican national team outside of the guys who play in MLS or Liga MX. So um, I would be surprised if a, if a, a development team, you know, a, a MLS next pro player winds up on that team unless he's just absolutely you know knocking it lights out uh and maybe even gets promoted to the rapids but that seems really unlikely mm-hmm, absolutely um the clausura which just finished the primera division clausura just finished up and chacon played in 19 league games for that so i don't know mark maybe this is an opportunity to Maybe he's seeing this as a springboard into MLS, where obviously we've seen a number of Costa Rican internationals have success and then obviously go on to be productive and regulars for their national team. Uh, Mark, maybe the, I would argue, the best feel-good, everybody wanted this to happen, we just wanted to speak it into existence, and there's nothing but good vibes coming out of this. The last time I felt this way about a move that happened, I probably would have said the team moving up in the draft to select Andre Shinyashiki. And I felt that this past week when the club brought back Sam Nicholson, who left on a free transfer to Bristol Rovers. He was originally... Uh, allowed to mutually part ways with the club due to some personal family stuff that was happening at the start of the pandemic. I can confirm that's now been resolved, whatever it was that was going on. Nicholson then, then as a out-of-contract player, signed a two-year deal with Bristol Rovers, who were then in League One. He was a regular starter. They got relegated. He got injured in the final, say, 12 games of the League One season that inhibited them in the attack. They got relegated. He then uh, works his way back into the lineup. They get promoted from League Two. I don't know. Did you see how they got promoted via automatic promotion, Mark? I did not. So they ended up so they ended up getting in. They needed to win on the final day and they needed to go out on goal difference and they played Scunthorpe United and won 7-0 on the final day to get automatic promotion and avoid the playoffs and everything. So uh any case, Sam leaves that club. Uh correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, a two and a half year deal with a team option for what would be 2025. Um, I would assume he's on similar, maybe slightly less way than he was previously. He is 27 years old. He's been a little bit banged up, but as we've seen, that was something that he dealt with during his time at the Rapids. And given the continuity we have with some of the medical staff who were able to help him and help him stay fit and stay healthy, especially with his back being an issue with a couple of knocks there, I anticipate that they'll have him readily and available. I think Nicholson is a, he's obviously a familiar piece. He's obviously beloved by the other players in the locker room. He was well-liked by 
Robin Frazier at the time of his departure. And I think he brings something that's a little bit different from the wide roles that we've seen because it's kind of been, you know, it's been Barrios who can be a little bit one-dimensional. We'll get to this in a few minutes, Mark. I do think Barrios is turning a corner for the best for the Rapids this season. But then, you know, obviously Jonathan Lewis has been underwhelming this year and Nicholson is more of a versatile player. He has a couple of tricks up his sleeve. I used to always make a joke, I think with you off pod, Rabbi, is that Nicholson would get the ball at his feet in the final third. He'd have one stop on his defense, one step on the defender closest to him. And in that moment, nobody at, Nobody in the stadium knew what was going to happen, including <laughs> Sam Nicholson. Whereas yeah. for the most part, there's one of two things that's likely happening with Michael Barrios. He's running onto the ball and then either crossing it or running on the ball and then cutting back and waiting to see what happens. And I guess the the binary aspect of Jonathan Lewis is does he shoot wide of goal or straight at the goalkeeper? Nicholson brings up something that's a little bit different. He's better, I would argue, other than I'd say on the run and into space. I would say Barrios' service is better into the box, but in, in terms of all things from the run of play, I think he's going to be the best of these three wingers that I'm talking about in, turn, in terms of getting service into the box. That's good for Diego Rubio. That's good for Giassi Zardes. This is a move. I love uh, Unless somehow Sam Nicholson's a designated player, Mark, this is absolutely a good move. I think Nicholson, once he gets settled in and gets back up to being fit at altitude, I think he's going to be exactly what the Rapids need in the second half of the season. And either he comes in and brings something different that benefits the team, or he forces Barrios and Lewis to be better than him in order to start, in which case, give me Sam Nicholson 65th minute against a team that's about to be exhausted playing at altitude. That sounds like a winning formula to me. Mark, what was your favorite part? What's What are you most looking forward to in the Scott Salmon reuniting with Sam Nicholson? Uh, Sam's just a wonderful interview. He's a really great guy. Um, he's a really, I think you you really framed it really nicely. I can't add much to it in the sense that He's a um, a zigzag player, and the two players you described, Lewis and Barrios, are um, you know straight line players, and I think that that's a really important thing. He's got a bit of Scottish Vicente Sanchez to him in that he's um, he's got a bit of trickery, um, and he makes he, he makes runs that um, shake guys loose and um, force them to go into different places, whereas Barrios has become fairly predictable, and so has J. Lewis, and I think that that's, that's a, kind of a valuable thing. Um, I do think he's going to be of, of generally limited usage. Um, I don't think we're going to see a lot of him. You know, I think he is a 80th minute addition. Um, I think the other thing that's really difficult to figure out is he's really ideally like... Uh, a left or a right wing in a 4-3-3 type formation or even a false nine when you have like a 4-1-1 um, where you play him kind of like scattershot off to one side or the other. Um, he's not truly a false nine, but he, he can kind of be in that position, kind of a drifting, like a messy, you know, in the sense that he's a forward uh, and he plays at a kind of a center forward-ish nine-ish type position, but you really swing him out to the side. Thierry Henry did this too, Matt. Um, you're giving me you're giving me a weird face. Thierry Henry was a forward. Um, he often played as effectively one in a two-striker system for Red Bull, but he really didn't play like a two-striker system in the sense of playing centrally. Like, TT liked to play way off to the left. He liked to draw guys out into what used what now is called the Manchester City zone. Back then, it was called the TT zone, um, and he would just cause all sorts of mayhem. Um, that's where Sam's good in wider places. Um, this team, this Rapids team, has been going with a three-five-two all season, um, two strikers, and it's gonna be Zardes and Rubio um going forward and so that means that like sam is kind of depth behind barrios or an alternative to barrios or depth behind lewis or alternative to lewis realistically unless rubio and zardes keep misfiring at which point you know maybe you start barrios and lewis and sam comes in as the pace shifter mark rest of the season over under nicholson five goal contributions Oh, uh, well, I'm not doing very well on over-unders because I just re 
resent out um, links. Since people have been freaking out about uh, Jossie Zardes' lack of production in the last couple of games, I sent out my prediction that um, he was going to have 12 goals by the end of the season. We're five games, five games in, seven games into the Zardes era. He has 19 games to go, um, and he has one goal. So if he's keeping on pace, he'd be at 3.5 goals for the season. Um, so I'm going to say under on Sam, uh, under five, just because I'm shell-shocked from my last over-under prediction. All right, then. Uh, Mark, let's get... What about you? What do you think? Uh, I'll say... Uh, I'll. Wait, did I say goals or goal contributions? I think I said goal contributions. That's what I meant. Oh, so you think uh, you think assists there too? So goals plus assists, five or more. You're more than so five. good. Five is a really tight number. That is a really tight number because I could see him getting like four assists and a goal. So I'm gonna still say under though. I'll say three assists and a goal. I'll take the over because I think he comes in. And I think he unseeds. I I think he and Jonathan Lewis split minutes pretty evenly. So. One starts goes sixty. One comes off the bench and plays thirty. I think Barrios is. I'm, I'm hoping. I I think Barrios can lock down starting regularly on the right side with what we've seen from him in the last two games. But Mark, let's let's talk about this. Uh, MLS signs a deal with Apple TV for their streaming rights. Two point five billion with a B. That is a big number, Rabbi. We're talking a ten year deal, two hundred fifty million dollars a year. Uh, all MLS Cup and all Leagues Cup games. Also, MLS Next Pro. Uh, this will be on Apple TV Plus, and there's some indication that there'll be a subscription within that. Some, if you just get the basic Apple TV, you'll get some games. If you want all of them, there'll be an additional uh, in-app purchase, in-system purchase with Apple TV. We don't know what that price point is just yet. Mark, I have a hard time believing this is going to be more expensive than what Rapids fans have had to do out of the going out of the way in order to watch their team in the last couple years uh all of this is going to be free if you are a season ticket holder of an mls team we haven't gotten numbers on what next year looks like but i'm wondering mark do mls teams increase their season ticket cost basically where the the cost of getting you the apple tv subscription for the away games is basically baked into the price of season tickets i don't know we'll see uh mark this is a big deal for the league. It is moving in the direction they're trying to go to with their audience, making it easier for them, increasing cord cutters. Uh, there's still going to be linear TV options that will be simulcast with Apple TV so that they can kind of still have that presence on the ESPNs, the FS1s, the 2DNs potentially. Details on that still haven't been fully decided, but... Mark, it's, it's going to be a lot easier and cheaper for Rapids fans to watch the Colorado Rapids next season, and it's going to be more money than the league was getting from their national broadcast. And the only big negative that I can see, if we're reading through the tea leaves from what they both posted on social, is that there's a decent possibility that we won't be, that the, none of those broadcasts will include Richard Fleming or Marcella Balboa. There is an option, folks, in the Apple TV app for you to, instead of using what Apple TV is doing from their production, to have the radio broadcast of your local team. So presumably you can watch the Rapids game and have that synced up with Connor K coverage on Altitude Sports Radio, and there's also an option for teams to have before and after broadcasts on maybe their own channel or streamed on social media or something. Mark, knowing KSC, I'm not sure that they're going to put that production in if they're not the ones getting the ad revenue from the games being broadcast. But in any case, Mark, if nothing else, don't block my altitude is coming to an end, mostly because the contract is over and a newer, more accessible, cheaper option is now available to everybody who doesn't own an Android. Yeah, um, I think there's been a little bit of question as to whether this is the best possible deal for Major League Soccer. Um, I think it is. I, I mean, I think they're getting the best possible deal they can get out of this. Um, the old deal, the team, the, the league got about $90 million a year. The new deal uh, is going to be $2.5 billion over 10 years, making it um, $250 million per year. So that's a two and a half times that what they're currently getting roughly. Um, you know, at the front end of the deal, it's going to sound uh, like the MLS is getting a steal. Um, but based on what we've learned with expansion team prices uh, and just kind of like the, the overall um, growth in the value of the league, you know, stadiums are going to be like way more expensive in 10 years than they are now. Um, we're going to talk about 250 million a year, like it was no big deal. 
Uh, I think one of the debates that a lot of people have is whether Apple is going to get their money's worth out of this um, in the sense that viewership hasn't been great on ESPN. Um, you know, we Major League Soccer games will sometimes get beat by, um, you know, the pro cornhole league and, you know, whatever would otherwise have ended up on the Ocho. Um, and, and, you know, over air, um, free TV always beats, uh, whatever's on ESPN. So how many subscribers you have is also really important. So one of the things I looked at is where, uh, Apple was in terms of subscribers. And if you take out two of the free, um, uh, services that like are counting their subscribers as, but uh, who are people who don't actually pay for their service. Apple TV is the sixth largest of the subscription services. Um, so, you know, if you're a cord cutter and you pick between four, um, companies, there's a decent chance that Apple is one of them. And if you're one of those people who you hear about the new hot show and you decide to subscribe to it, um, then you probably already have Apple TV. I personally, you know, um, subscribed to it for Ted Lasso, um, was thrilled, kept it even though I wasn't getting a whole lot of usage out of it. And then I really liked the WeWork, docu- uh, WeWork TV show, which was called We Crashed. And then I really enjoyed Severance. So knowing that MLS is going to be moving over to that makes me really happy. Um, I guess the last thing I'll say is um, I think there's a, there's some question about whether the league can continue to grow when a lot of the um, ability to watch the games is behind a paywall, right? Um, like, is that gonna is that gonna hurt the league? Uh, and I think you, I think of it the other way around, which is that there are a lot of people who are subscribing to Apple, um, and Apple currently doesn't really have any sports on it. There's an option on Apple TV to pay extra to watch baseball, but the words there that are important are to pay extra, right? So if you're an Apple subscriber and you're like, oh, there's a live sporting event on right now, I'll just flip over and watch it, that's that's really great. And I think that, it, you know, it'll expose it um, to some people who are going to subscribe to Apple anyways. Um, and I think it'll, it'll also work the other way, which is um, there will be a lot of people who who like cord cutters in, in, um, or non, sorry, non cord cutters, people who live in Colorado, um, and had cable and had Comcast, but couldn't get out of their deals to watch another, um, to, to subscribe to, uh, the Rapids and, and watch them on their chosen channel because the price was too high. And now, um, for, you know, basically $65 for the year, they can get, um, Apple TV. So it's a big, big win, um, for that, if if uh, Apple could sign up like one or two other sports, that would be, you know, kind of a game changer overall for the league because they could wrap that all together. Yeah, no, all good points there, Mark. I guess the only other thing that I would add is I have heard I, I have been seeing both generally amongst the Rapids community and just other MLS heads on Twitter saying that, oh, I'm an Android person like I don't have a smart they, none of their devices are that they had currently are compatible with any of the Apple TV apps, probably because, uh, you know, there are other companies as well. I should point out not saying you should do this. I believe there's still a deal now that uh, if you if you switch an upgrade to an Apple device, whether it's laptop, phone, tablet, that that would also include that they typically, when I got my recent smartphone, uh, it included one year free of Apple TV as well. So if you're talking about, I don't watch, I don't watch sports on my cell phone, right? And um, I, I watch some sports on my laptop, but uh, you know, you can buy a Roku box for like eighty five bucks, and it'll plug into your TV. Or, and I, you know, I hate to tell people to spend money, like big money, because um, who am I? Like, you know, big, fancy, you know, middle-class American dude. But like, you know, when we moved to Colorado, when we moved from Colorado to Pittsburgh, one of the things I got to do was like, get rid of the old TV and buy a new one. Like, if you've ever wanted an excuse where you have to buy a new TV, this is a really good one. Because they all come with a Roku device that has Apple TV in it. Or whatever, uh, you know, streaming kind of platformy thingy uh that you an app an app suite um on your smart tv 
Listeners, this past Sunday in the Bronx, New York at Yankee Stadium, the Colorado Rapids played New York City FC, the Pigeons, to a 1-1 draw. Not the prettiest game, Mark, and certainly not one that uh, was very exciting, particularly for the Rapids attack. I'll say right up through, I'll say the 67th minute plus change. Uh, I was going to say 70th. Well done. Yeah. Uh, So 11 minutes in, yet a shout for a penalty. Talos Magno getting in space behind and William Yarbrough having to come out. I've seen this now from multiple angles, Mark, and I submitted a pool reporter question. I'm still not sure there's contact, and if there was, it was very minimal, and the ball was already gone. Magno doesn't get the penalty. NYCFC are incensed. Really, the only good attacking opportunity you had for the Pids in the first half was Acasa heading the ball down across goal for somebody else. Should he have tried to go directly on goal? I'm not entirely sure. Also, it's Brian Acosta. He's kind of short and not very good at scoring goals with his head. Uh, the, the XG mark at halftime, according to Emily, soccer.com was zero for the Rapids so that one opportunity that came off of Acosta technically didn't round up to 0.1 and NYCFC only had 0.4 their best opportunity coming in the 35th minute when Magno plays to Tati Castellanos who hits the underside of the bar and out second half NYCFC gets rolling a little bit more they have chances off of set pieces but they really have a hard time getting in behind finding any within the game and the Rapids defense was just really organized and really dense and really active in a way that was kind of relieving to see given what had happened last time out against Nashville. 68th minute, Barrios opens the scoring, the only shot on goal in his first game of the campaign set up from Mark Anthony K. Great through ball. He takes a touch to round a defender and then beats Sean Johnson to the bottom opposite side corner. Four minutes later, Tyler Magno finally gets on the board with a nice half volley from Morales, chesting it down and then doing kind of a, a sideways scissor kick almost. Uh, who was the guy for uh, Vancouver who did that not Cavallini Mark this would have been like almost a decade ago now I can't remember it might have been I can't remember in any case uh, that that ties it 1-1 and then I would argue Mark in the final 15 minutes plus change the Rapids basically parked the bus in this one Maxi Morales with a bunch of opportunities NYCFC had a bunch of corners you had that chance for Tati where he gets in behind kind of floating off the back shoulder of Wilson like what Magno does on the actual goal and he has a chance to score but he flubs it in you know shallow left field and you know sends the ball over the bar Mark NYCFC had a lot of chances uh, they on, a, on another day I think they probably would win this game by multiple goals, but I guess let's start with your good thing from what I would say was a gut check and a and a good enough and a relieving point on the road for the Burgundy boys. Uh, getting the go-ahead goal against uh, in, in New York City against the arguably the best team in the league was a, uh, was a great thing. Um, no, it doesn't matter how they achieved it or what they did to get it, like the way they went about kind of pursuing this game tactically was right. And physically they, they did what they did just enough to do what they needed to do. Um, And I appreciated it. What was your good thing, Matt? Uh, I want to start with Michael Barrios, who, you know, I thought was kind of the one attacking catalyst that you saw from the Rapids, Mark. I saw a lot of, maybe we should have this as a separate discussion topic, but I think increasingly people are getting frustrated with Giassi's artist. He was largely invisible for this game. I will say that he was marked up against, I'd argue, you know, one of the best center backs in the league and Alexander Callens and uh, there, there wasn't a lot of service to him. This game was a mess. I think Robin Frazier clearly came in with a tactical idea in terms of they were in a clog up the midfield. The center backs were going to be super active. Tati Castellanos wasn't going to have any space. And one of the benefits that we've kind of seen, Mark, is the, the Rapids have struggled for me with gap control and then just number and pressure around the ball. And then one of the benefits that you have, as I talked to with Riley last week, is that NYCFC with their stadium, with the, the pitch dimensions it's very very narrow you you can't really have gaps in the field when you know your wing backs are covering like the outer 10 yards on it and then the rest in the middle is basically 40 yards between three guys like there's no gaps to be had when the field is that narrow and so I thought the I thought the Rapids met the Rapids reacted to and had a game plan for that despite them having not played at Yankee Stadium since before the pandemic. I thought the center backs were all super active. Yes, Lal Sububakar took a yellow card that maybe was a little bit unnecessary and kind of cynical and he's suspended now for that. But other than the goal I and maybe one other play, I would say Danny Wilson was very active defensively. I thought they had a game plan and executed it very well. 
against Tati Castellanos. I thought the they clogged up the midfield in a really good way to deal with Maxi Morales and some of the other players trying to provide service into the box. And you could visibly see that NYCFC was frustrated when the game wasn't going their way. And it came down to their inability to break down the Colorado Rapids. And I thought that was very good. And maybe the one area where it kind of didn't go well was when they had to make that substitution when Jack Price came out for the game. And then it turned into a 3-4-3 rather than a 3 5-2 and then that's really only that that was the start of the second half and then NYCFC had a little bit more of a space and then I think there was a, another substitution that happened where they changed that when Nicholas Mesquita came in but uh, Frazier had a really good game plan and it worked and it led to a point and I'm happy about that. Uh, Rabbi any bad things? Bad thing for sure. Um, I, I guess other than the fact that like they were impotent in the attack other than the one shot on goal which was Barrio scoring. Well, I mean, the, you, you said you said it in your rundown that like they didn't there wasn't a lot going on in the first 67 minutes. And I don't know if it's a bad thing to say that the team did a bad job by making the game boring. But like we do have to worry as a pair of pundits that like the team um, getting a win when they make it dull is a little bit disconcerting. Do you know what I mean? Like. If this is the way we win the rest of the season, by mucking it up and making it nearly unwatchable for 70 minutes, right? Like, it was very physical. Um, There were a lot of headed balls. They played, you know, through the lines, basically knock it up uh, to the forwards and run onto it. Very direct. A lot in those first. And I think the other thing that um, a lot of people were complaining about Jossie Sardes, which, as you mentioned we could say is like something um, is a, a subject for a whole episode by itself. If we wanted to um, my perception of Jossie's artist is that he, he, um, he does really good hold up play and he plays back to goal very well. And um, he was drawing a defender into the middle of the field, sucking him in. And then when he received the ball, kind of like very physically playing back to goal um, but the Rapids are going to have to use him when he's facing forward um, if they want to get goals out of him. And you don't bring in a striker to be a decoy. You bring him in to score goals. So um, that's going to be important going forward because otherwise having him as your central muck it up kind of guy, I don't know. It's possible that if this is the formula for how we beat good teams going forward, that you know, this is the evolution of Robin Frazier into Pablo Mastroeni part two, right? No. Just, right. Now, I liked I liked the Mastronaccio, as um, some of our friends used to call it. Like, I like the idea of mucking it up and making it difficult um, and and playing for 1-0 and, uh, and, and playing a 4-2-3-1. Like, I like a very physical, very defensive soccer, but I'm the first to admit that it's... Um, it can be dull and it's hard to watch and it's not a lot of fun. So, but that's, that's my take, which is that like, if this is a theory for the Rapids going forward of how they're going to play, then that's um, uh, a little bit worrisome. Yeah, no, the, the attack obviously wasn't that good. Uh, Mark, uh, Rapids had a total uh, XG of 0.3 and the Barrios goal accounted for greater than a third of that. So not quite 11% on that shot as well. So the Rapids didn't have a whole lot in the attack. I'm, I'm wondering how much how much of this was just the game plan of Robin Frazier, knowing the opponent, the field conditions and the way that it plays, given what happened to the team the last time they went out, you know, albeit almost a month ago, with the game against Nashville and then just let's set this up in a way that is going to make it that's easiest for us to keep the ball out of our own net and just try and get a draw. And given what happened last time in the last game that we played and given the opponent that we're playing, that this is a draw that is going to feel like a win. And I'll say that that worked out overall. They did have to get a little that they had to play it in a certain way that was not entertaining, not fun to watch, didn't give you a whole lot of a confidence, but was it effective and did it extremely frustrate the opponent? Absolutely. You know, they did have to make two substitutions for yellow cards because I think Frazier was kind of aware that it would have been really easy in the final 20 minutes of a close game for a call to go against them or go in a certain way that was going to make it easy for NYCFC who maybe hadn't earned it with a second goal potentially there. Um, and so obviously Lawless gets subbed out. He suspended for the game on Saturday. Acosta got a yellow card. He was suspended. Jack Price took a yellow card. 
in the first half he was subbed out at halftime as i just mentioned but you know i also think mark maybe the other bad thing is there were a few fouls in there that i thought were a little ticky tack from the official i thought he was soft in the first half and then he kind of overcorrected in the second half in ways where he doesn't call one of those i think jack price earns a foul that was pretty nothing uh i think on maxi morales and if not for that then uh on a really poor back pass from the captain then maxi morales is in on goal 1v1 with yarbrough there's a very very similar play, I think, with Tati Castellanos on Danny Wilson, where Wilson kind of, you know, plays it up as well. Is there a foul in the sense that there was contact and clear intent from the NYCFC player? Yes. Did the Rapid, if the Rapids player doesn't react that way, that's maybe a little bit more than the actual force from the contact of the opponent. Is there any way that gets called a foul? Probably not. So the Rapids were a little bit beneficial from that. You know, Mark, I, I tend to think at this point with the way the officiating has gone in the last couple of games that it's probably now evened out going back to the no PK call against uh, not sporting Kansas City against San Jose Earthquakes what a couple months ago now I think right now the ex referee pro influence on the game calls for calls against makeup calls I think is as close to neutral as you're going to get in terms of a sample size now at 19 games for me Mark any big things um well, we got a 1-1 draw in New York City against one of the best teams in the league. We should be really happy with it. Um, we're starting to get results. The team may be leveling off from some of the struggles they've had earlier. We're still, if I'm not mistaken, in ninth place. So maybe we've moved up to eighth. Um, but I, I think it's important for um, this team to start figuring out what it is capable of and how they can go about doing it. And... and that's that's a that's a very big thing, right? To say we played a very good team. Um, it was a learning experience. Hopefully, we can take something from it going forward and do some stuff with it. Hashtag progress. Hashtag growth mindset. I guess on that note, Mark, do we want to do? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about this briefly with Zardis. Let's do a Zardis DefCon rating for those of you who are not familiar with the. Uh, I would argue Colt really popular. War Games, Mark, totally. one of my favorite movies from really? the 1980s. Um, I'll say from the 80s, not one of my favorite movies of all time. In any case, folks, they have this thing called DEFCON ratings. It goes back to the Cold War and uh, the military being prepared for a potential nuclear event uh, on a scale of one to five. And I should point out five is the easiest one. Five is general readiness. There's no imminent threat going on. No um, red alert of like Russians invading uh, the United States continent or anything. Mark, on a scale of one to five. Wi-Fi being absolutely no concern, everything's fine, and we'll say one being like Zardis is a bust and the Rapids should not even consider retaining him since he's out of contract for this year, and then he's no way making the World Cup squad. Where are you right now, Zardis DEFCON ratings? We're we're real low. We're DEFCON four, right? Like uh general alarm, let's let's be let's pay attention a little bit, um, and, and let's worry a little bit about it. Um, but it's definitely not higher than that. <laughs> what about you, Matt? I'm going to go DEFCON 3, so I'm going to say this would be Roundhouse Air Force ready to mobilize in 15 minutes, according to what Google says here. So uh, I'm concerned, Mark, because yes, he's done a good job of pressing. The, the Rapids were very good in their defensive press when NYCFC was playing out of the back in this game, but I haven't seen him. He hasn't gotten a lot of service. He hasn't gotten a lot of help, but he also hasn't created on his own from an attacking standpoint. Like he hasn't used much of his speed to get by a defender who's probably slower than him. He hasn't been as effective in the buildup play as I would say from Rubio to help ultimately get things forward into the final third you know he's created maybe a handful of shots for himself but still the only goals that he scored for the Rapids have been two penalties one in MLS Next Pro with uh, Rapidos one with the first team and neither of those penalties he drew as well for himself so I am concerned because the the other underlying things that you would want when a player is not scoring he's not doing as much whereas if I'm comparing that to what Diego Rubio would do even if Rubio's not goal dangerous at all you know he's winning fouls and he's committing timely fouls against the opponent. He's getting into their head. He's getting feisty and everything. He's doing conca-caffy things. He's doing other things to frustrate and make things difficult for the opponent that's ultimately in 
that ultimately is going to help the team win in the aggregate. And the only thing that I've really seen from Zaris outside of directly being goal dangerous really has been, okay, he's decently good at pressing. You know, if I put Rubio in that same place, am I, is there a significant upgrade over that? So far from what I've seen and from the underlying numbers, if you look at it, uh, I have not seen that yet. It is a relatively small sample size. I, I'm not ready to touch my DEFCON 3 ratings until at least full time of the 4th of July game, at which point then I think it's worth reevaluating because it's two other games. And in theory, now he's 90 minutes fit and the hamstring isn't hurting him anymore. Um, he needs to be full steam ahead and he hasn't been. Um, but I'm concerned. There's still a lot of season left, so we'll look. Uh, maybe this is maybe this will have to be a recurring segment that we have on the podcast, Rabbi. Listeners, this coming Saturday night at Providence Park in Portland, Oregon, the Colorado Rapids will be taking on the Portland Timbers, their second and final game of the regular season against the Timbers. We find ourselves 1934s through the Colorado Rapids 2022 season. Pitts find themselves on the bubble and just outside the playoffs at the moment. Ninth place in the Western Conference. They have 19 points off of 15 games played. Record of five wins, six losses, and four draws. A goal difference of minus one. And away from DSG, they are 0 five and two still haven't gotten their first road win of the season portland timbers 13th second to last in the western conference 16 points off of 16 games played they have a record of three six and one a goal difference of negative four and at providence park this season they have a record of two two and three mark we've already played the timbers previously it was a two nil victory as austin trusty put it the rapids were motivated to go out there and kick their butts what have we seen so so far from the Timbros. They're a solid team. Um, they have added some real firepower um, as a team with uh, some of the additions that they've made, um, like Paredes and Nizgoda, um, and potentially Santiago Moreno. Uh, but you know the core of this team is really the 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 thing that we really want to know about um you know is Sebastian Blanco over the hill at 34 um can the two charas Diego and uh, Jimmy get it done um is one Larry's enough or when you say Larry's do you need two Larry's you know is Larry's Mabiala good enough um back there to do the job uh that was a bad joke i tried i I really i just love the fact that the guy's name is larry's like like did his mom think that like larry needed to be plural i just don't i love it maybe it's a south american thing that i'm not aware of because he's or no he's not from south america what i'm talking about he's from congo um but where does larry's come from why is he called larry's inquiring minds want to know anyways um yeah I, i mean i think you know, they've got pieces, but they're also kind of dull. Um, they, they've been pretty bad recently. Um, they murdered uh, Sporting Kansas City 7-2 to and then went on a four-game winless streak where they lost to the Quakes, lost to Philadelphia, and lost to Miami. So, um, and that's what brought them low and puts them at the bottom of the table right now. So, um, I, I, I find them a little perplexing. They're kind of... Uh, inconsistent and unclear obviously but um they've got pieces matt what do you think uh, I'm going to disagree with you, Rabbi. All of those guys that you name normally up front other than Sebastian Blanco and Yimmy Chara are not suitable above replacement. I don't think that, I, I don't think Nias Gota starts for this team, certainly not over Diego Rubio. Um, and so I'm not impressed with what they have from an attacking standpoint. They do have Dyron Espria, who's come off the bench for them, who historically has been Mr. November. He had a very good regular season last year. He did not have a very good playoffs. Obviously, he got that red card at Pids giving, but I think this is a team that is, you know, kind of been they've been running it back every single year under current management. And just when you think like they're over the hill and everything, they make a really good run or they win the MLS's back tournament or they make the MLS Cup and they narrowly lose to Atlanta or to New York City FC or anything. And I just think this entire team and their success and it bears it out based on looking at those two players and the team's record with and without them. It's down to Sebastian Blanco in the attack and Diego Chara in defense. I would argue Yimmy Chara, Yimmy Chara has done a good job when Blanco hasn't been out there. Yimmy did score the goal in a 1-1 draw over the weekend 
weekend against LA Galaxy. But I think this is a it's those two guys and it's Laris Mabiala at the attack. And really, they're they're two bad beep tests that lead to two hamstring injuries away from just the season completely falling all the way off. They have not been healthy this season. They are healthy for the moment. I'm not super impressed with this team. I think they're one major injury in the second half of the season to any one of those four guys, the Chucharaz, Blanco, or Mabiala, away from basically the season being kaput and them not making the playoffs and probably having to make a serious decision about whether or not it's time to blow it up, trust the process, actually do something with their academy, for example. So uh, I'm not super impressed with them. That being said, we've seen what the Timbers are able to do against the Rapids, and we've seen what happens to the Rapids when they give two really good opportunities to the one or two good dynamic attacking players on the opponent. And we've seen games at the stadium, Providence Park, be very dramatic and not necessarily in a way that's successful for the Colorado Rapids in recent years as well. I think about that. I think it was a 2-2 draw where Barrios had that chip from the back post that was like, was it a shot? Was it a cross? And somehow it found its way in, and we figured, oh, that's probably the winner, and then Port Portland comes back and they're able to get a 2-2 draw. Um, They do have Eric Williamson, Mark, who we haven't mentioned yet, who is coming off of an injury last year. Um, He was on the bench on the weekend. He's working his way back in. He could be kind of the, the double pivot anchor for them to maybe solidify themselves defensively in the second half of the season. So this is a team that on their day and in moments is capable of being dangerous that on the whole of the season, I'm not taking seriously, but given the previous history between these two teams and given how I know Robin Frazier will prepare them and given the still bad blood that clearly exists or bad memories that exist for the Rapids, I think they're going to take this team very seriously. I think the goal is a win. And I think short of a Sebastian Blanco special, I'm thoroughly expecting a result on the weekend. Um, He's go to six goals last year in 14 games. He has three goals this year in 13 games on 900 something minutes. So Matt, you make a good call, which is like, maybe he's the guy that he is this year and not the guy who showed a lot of potential last year. He also had a ton of goals in the Polish extra login. Um, their alternative up front is a guy by the name of Nason Fogaka, who is Fogace. Fogace. He's Brazilian. So, I don't know how you say a CA in, in, in Portuguese, but um, he had 11 goals and four assists last year for Timbers too. So, um, but it hasn't really translated up here. He's only got two goals this year in 368 minutes. So maybe you make a strong point that like the problems that they're having are basically a striker. And as much as we complain as Rapids fans that we don't have what we need a striker, um, you know, Portland really doesn't have what they need. The interesting thing is that they decided to cut bait with um, – Jeremy Ibobasi, uh, and send him off to San Jose. And, um, he's been doing great with San Jose. Um, people, particularly Matt Doyle, who's a huge fanboy, um, has been making an argument that Ibobasi should be in the conversation for the U S men's national team to go to, um, to Qatar. Uh, I think that's a stretch, but Ibobasi, Portland decided Ibobasi wasn't good enough and then they've replaced him with basically nothing functional. Um, so it's a good question. Uh, what was the last thing that I wanted to say on this one? I guess the the only big concerns that I have, Mark, so Brian Acosta and Lal Sububakar both suspended for yellow card accumulation. The Rapids were without Diego Rubio on the weekend, who was also suspended for yellow card accumulation. So Rubio back in, this is the kind of game that he would thrive in. This is the kind of Portland's team that gets Concacafi, where Rubio is going to fight fire with fire. Rabbi, what do you think Frazier does personnel or or formation shape-wise to deal with no Lawless and no Brian Acosta? And how concerned are you about that, given I think Brian Acosta has been good the last couple of games that he's been in, and I'm concerned about what the team looks like defensively with that, those two out? Uh, yeah, I, I'm less concerned. I mean, I think, you know, you go K and Price, and you're... Th- third option up the middle not really sure but you know there there are there are options there um you know on the back line the 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 conventional wisdom is the two guys who've been going there the most are you bring in beta shore uh and you um slide keegan rosenberry over um and there's your solution uh 
there. Um, but, you know, he could do something different and try and mix things up and let some other guys get some playing time. Like um, Drew Moore, like Sebastian Anderson, um, those those kinds of guys would kind of bring it, bring it on. Um, Gustavo Vallecia is is another option who hasn't shown great earlier in the season, but I think with younger players they need they need reps, they need opportunities, and the season's long. And if you go with the same guys like you know Betashore and Rosenberry um, over and over and over again, uh, they you may be you may be tired down the stretch when you really need those guys to perform. Now Rosenberry has a reputation uh, just playing game in game out i think he played every minute last year or was it the season before where he played every minute like you know he can do that um but you don't want to have to do that with guys especially guys who play at um positions that require a lot of travel uh like fullback yeah no i i'd agree with you mark i think rosenberry goes inside and you probably have beta on the outside i think if there's anything that happens to the back line positionally you'd bring gustavo viasia in and then probably move keegan outside and then i think the left speaks for itself trusty um wilson and then i would go estevez mark given what we saw from anthony markanich against nashville but i think either of those two would be options i think it's more interesting what do the rapids do in the midfield with brian acosta because price was also partially subbed out um uh, there was a, a slight concern or precautionary concern about a calf injury as well um you know is that something that he's feeling okay right now is that something that he's still not super confident about or still bothering him a little bit come thursday afternoon or friday morning then what do the rapids do in the midfield so i like what i've seen from brian acosta the last we'll say three or four games for me personally uh does Colin Warner come in so that they can actually have some possession against a team that is going to be comfortable without the ball do you try and you know have Max out there and really you know have a little bit more skill on the ball to break down a defense that has been resolute against the uh against the Portland Timbers uh Robin Frazier had a very difficult task in preparing the team tactically and personnel wise for the NYCFC game I had I think he had a really good game plan I think the players were very prepared for it and they executed it perfectly I think similarly it will take a slightly out of the box or it will it there will be there's a significant there's a equally difficult problem statement here Robin Frazier needs to have a good answer and then there needs to be good execution from the 11 on the field and if that happens Mark I think the Rapids give themselves a very good opportunity in the final 20 minutes on Saturday night to win this game Mark I'm I'm going for it I think we've I think we've seen first of all you got the you got the big road performance to maybe uh to, to flip the momentum and to feel good about yourself you had the crazy dramatic stuff against nashville to have the first loss at home of the regular season i think we'll see similar dramatic stuff but in a good way for the rapids from the start on saturday to get the first road win i'm going to go one nil squeaky bum time colorado rapids on saturday yeah, I think that that's a good bet. I mean, I think um, we're we're never going to win on the road has to break, like I said last time. So I'll go 2-1. Uh, I feel like these Colorado Rapids can really get in and out of a place like this. Um, the last thing is, you know, you, you threw a curveball at me that is like, okay, without Brian Acosta on the field, um, you know, who in the midfield can kind of fill in and do the job? And maybe the Rapids change up the way they look and put like, three up front effectively where it's Barrios on the wing or it's Lewis on the wing and then Zardis in the middle and Rubio coming off the side. And that gives you kind of two in the middle plus your wing backs and three at the back. So it's kind of, it looks three, four, three effectively. Um, it's, it's, we've been playing in a, in a formation like that sort of for a while where three, four, one, two, if you look at it on a chart, but like if you, um, if, if, if you don't go three in the middle, uh, because you don't have Brian Acosta, then then that's what you have. The other option you have, of course, is to go with Max, but Max hasn't been showing up much lately. So that seems it seems like Max is probably like done for the Rapids as a starter for the year. I think that he's in a position where the Rapids are just gonna kind of like bring him off the bench um, and give him minutes until he does something because he hasn't done much. Lot of lot, lot of season left for me, Mark. Personally, we've we've only played fifteen nice. games, so I think uh, I think there's still plenty of time. We're we're not quite halfway through the season, so 
I think Mar I think I think Markanich has better time, better opportunity for minutes, um, and probably is more uh favored by the coaching staff than Max. We'll see. Uh last question I'll have for you, <laughs> Rabbi, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, um yeah. Zardis and Rubio up top starting, yes, no. No, three up top. We're just gonna do something different. Although maybe it's Zardis and Rubio up top with someone sitting underneath them. Um you know, playing in a kind of an odd, like, let's try something new role, like Lewis or like Nicholson. That'd be crazy. But I I, I like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing if it sticks, especially right. when we're missing several players. Listeners, we are sponsored by Roughneck Scars and Icarus FC. Icarus makes custom-made kits that you can get for any occasion, including an actual sporfing team. Uh, you know, would be fun, Matt. It'd be crazy if a soccer team kit was on your softball team. Why not? I think that, you know, sporting apparel is kind of random. Once you get into, like, polypropylene, you know, like polyester, uh you know, non-wool-based clothing that, like, electrostatically wicks the moisture off your body. What does it really matter? Um, so mix it up. Maybe your basketball team is wearing a soccer jersey. Maybe your cricket team has a soccer jersey made by Icarus FC. Go out and check out their awesome custom-made kits. Um, Roughneck Scarves, also a sponsor of ours. Matt, tell them how to hit us on the socials, how to read our written content. I have some new stuff um, from this last week. And lastly, how to... Uh, contact us at the pod listeners follow us collectively on twitter at soccer underscore rabbi at lws matt pollard and at rapids 96 podcast you can read all of our content at pittsburgh soccer now last word on sports.com backslash soccer and holding the highline.substack.com head on over there view us in web form subscribe to us with an email address and you'll get an email anytime we put something up and if you want to support us further and then also get uh, some of the juicy behind the scenes behind the paywall stuff that we have there five bucks a month or 42 bucks for the year to be a paid highliner uh, also send us your questions using the hashtag AskHTHL or email us at rapids96podcast at gmail.com and if we bring further monetary value to your life patreon.com backslash rapids 96 podcast for our patreon page or denverpost.com backslash hthl for a really good deal on all of the digital sports content uh, as we look forward to uh, colorado avalanche trying to get those final two wins and win the stanley cup listeners we'll see you next week peace